0: Just before midnight on September 11th, 2001, in a small neighborhood of Brooklyn, New York, a Polish immigrant is fatally shot and murdered. He is known as the last person killed on 9-11, but his murder remains unsolved. You're listening to the Mysterious Bruce Podcast, and tonight we bring you the case of Henryk Siwiak.
1: In the bowels of Georgia. Uh, I think we have a five-star review. We sure do. From my
0: uh, Nick's H. But great guys. Five stars. Love these guys. Always fun to hear fellow Georgia people.
1: Heck yeah.
0: A lot of podcasts set in Georgia, you know. We don't translate to radio that well. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we have the faces for it.
0: As you're hearing this on Tuesday, this is actually Super Bowl Sunday. Who do you think's gonna win? Uh,
1: I don't know, man. Uh, I hope Stafford does just to prove all the naysayers wrong. That
0: well, the naysayers, as you know, they will say nay
1: a lot. But I'm gonna tell you something. It's hard to bet against old Burrows. He I'm got going with the Bengals. He got the Bengal faithful uh, foaming. They canceled school tomorrow. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, because all the parents are going to be too hungover to drive the kids. <laughs> Us drivers, too.
1: But, yeah, I don't know, man. It ought to be interesting. I hope it's a good guy. I hope it's not one-sided like some of them old Super Bowls. So.
0: I think the Bengals going to pull it off. You heard it here first.
1: Well, you know the Simpsons said they were, 34-31. It's hard to beat and bet against the Simpsons. All right, ladies and gentlemen, let's get into the case of the week we are talking about? Very
0: strange case. It's the only, not counting the terrorist attacks, it's the only homicide that day in New York.
1: That's right. Henrik Siwiak. This
0: man is known as the last man to die on nine eleven. How fucked up is that, though? You just saw one of the greatest tragedies in American history, and then you just go get shot.
1: <laughs> yeah. Sucks. Yep. Just trying to make a dollar.
0: God, that sucks.
1: But he was born in Krakow, Poland in 1955. He was passionate about science, but failed to get into university. Instead, he earned a technical school degree and became an inspector for the Polish National Railroad. Siboyak was married to a scientist named Iwa, or I guess it's Iwa, Uwa. We're going to go with Iwa. We may go with Eva. And they had two children. In 2000, Siwiak was fired from his inspector's job. Poland's economy was in shambles and a 15% unemployment rate impeded Siwiak's ability to find work. He decided to move to New York City in search of the American dream and more importantly, money for his family back in Poland. Now, like many who come to the U.S. in search for a better life, Henrik, who was 46 at the time, could not afford to be without a job.
0: Who the heck can these days?
1: No shit. He labored day and night for nearly 11 months, stopping at nothing to earn as much money as he could to send back to his wife and children. He braved the maze that is New York City's transit system as he traveled from Queens, where he was renting an apartment near his sister's home, to wherever there was the promise of a job. Now, on the morning of September the 11th, 2001, that meant a construction site in Manhattan. Just like everyone else's plans that fateful morning, Henrik's changed at 8.46 a.m. Nearly 3,000 people were killed in the terrorist attacks of 9-11. But before the day ended, Henrik would lose his life in a separate event. Now, just as he did every day since he arrived in the U.S., he planned to work on September 11th. He arrived downtown at the construction site on which he had most recently been employed just in time to witness the planes strike the World Trade Center. So as soon as that happens, everybody's evacuated from lower Manhattan, so everybody's sent home. Henrik is going back to his home in Queens, and he calls his wife Ewa to let her know that he was safe. Now, she would tell WNYC, quote, I told him just in case don't leave tonight because it can be dangerous in New York, end quote. Now, she had learned about the attacks when she got home from work in Poland and decided to call him and let him know what was going on because Henrik's TV was broken and he didn't know how tragic and severe the attacks were. Quote, I don't think he understood the gravity. He told me he would, he went to a Polish agency in New York to look for work, and maybe there was work for him in some shop. I asked him not to go anywhere that evening, but he did, end quote. Now, the Polish shop that she's referring to is a Polish employment agency in Brooklyn, and there Henrik was able to basically find a job cleaning a Pathmark supermarket the ni- that night for around $10 an hour. Now, he had several hours until he was supposed to be there for the midnight shift at the supermarket, and he asked his landlady to help him study the subway map so that he could find the easiest and quickest route to take. Now, the store was located on the 1500 block of Albany Avenue in Brooklyn, but unknowingly to both him and his landlady they got confused and focused on the wrong end of Albany Avenue. Now, Lieutenant Tom Joyce of the NYPD 79th Precinct would say, quote, that's what's so bad about this, that he was so far off, end quote. Now, it's believed that Henrik had gotten off the train near one Albany Avenue in Bedford Stuyvesant. Arriving...
0: Uh, That's why I didn't put it it in the opening, because I couldn't... (laughs) (laughs) So I just said, uh, neighborhood.
1: (laughs) Arriving at the very beginning of the street, nearly four miles from where he needed to be. Yeah. He then turned right, again going the wrong direction in the wrong neighborhood. Now, Detective George Harvey would state, quote, In 2001, this area was very violent, end quote. Now, Harvey was a police officer in the precinct that Henrik was killed and now is the lead investigator in the case. Sitting atop the avenue, that stretch of road was as dangerous as it was narrow. And there's pictures out there when you Google this case, and it looks like one of your average brownstone neighborhoods in Brooklyn, and it's, I mean, those streets are tiny, and you got cars parked on both sides of the street. Quote, there were a tight-knit block, Harvey said. They don't really like outsiders coming through their block or coming on their block, end quote. Now, what exactly happened next remains a mystery, but what is known is that at some point, Henrik encountered someone who decided that his life was not worth living. Quote, unknown individuals wound up shooting at him that night, hitting him numerous times, causing his death, end quote, Harvey said. Now, wounded, Henrik, man... to go to work. Yep.
0: And you're just going to shoot him dead.
1: Yep. I and know, on man. On
0: the night of the greatest American tragedy in history.
1: Yep. When everybody else is holed up in their homes, this man's just trying to make a buck.
0: I mean, come on. You're going to be that protective of your block? I mean, I don't know.
1: I don't either, man. It's hard for me to fathom that.
0: Maybe they thought that he was a terrorist.
1: And I think, you know, there's some... Rumors of that at the end. I mean, we'll get into at the end, but I don't know. Looking at pictures of him, and I know it's dark and it's around midnight, but still, I don't know, man. I don't know. He
0: speaks in a thick accent. Yeah,
1: he spoke in broken English.
0: Maybe they had a brief confrontation.
1: Well, that's what everybody thinks, but I mean, I'm just wondering if it's one of them things where they are – thinking that this thing is a terrorist attack and people are still in New York but by that time I think by that time they had kind of said that they were all terrorists on the planes but anyway
0: I don't know that's it's
1: it's a sad situation
0: it's a very sad situation
1: now, wounded, Henrik managed to cross Decatur Street and run up a stoop to ring the doorbell or knock on the door of a brownstone building in a last-ditch effort to make it to safety. And, of course, after hearing gunshots, there's not anybody in Brooklyn going to open the door. No.
0: I would. I mean, sorry, but.
1: Yeah, I would, I too. I mean, I don't blame
0: but anybody for not opening the door.
1: Detective Harvey would say, nobody answered the door. He then stumbled down the stairs and fell on the sidewalk where he ultimately succumbed to his injuries, end quote. Here's the strange twist of fate that kind of threw this whole crime into a realm that probably wouldn't ever happen again. The New York Police Department's Crime Scene Unit, which usually investigates all the homicides and sexual assault cases, and provides lighting to help find clues such as fingerprints and footprints was actually not available to the detectives because all of the resources that they could spare were immediately sent to downtown where the trade center was at.
0: Yeah, that's what I was thinking is, you know, even though this seems like a random crime, uh that night would have been a really good time to eliminate your enemies or rob a bank or a store or something because everybody was occupied with nine eleven.
1: Yeah. Now, the 79th did piecemeal as many resources as they could to investigate Hendrick's death. They had an evidence collection team, which normally responds to burglaries and non-fatal crimes, scour the scene, and investigators search for witnesses. Quote, Normally, when we have a homicide, we will incorporate everybody in the NYPD, all different units, to help solve it, Detective Boyce said. If we don't have a witness or don't have any kind of direction on it or any kind of motive early on, which we didn't in the CWAC homicide, we would take the narcotics division, we would take the gang division, we would take the vice division, whatever we could. We would go into that area and see if they can find some kind of witness. That would tell us exactly what happened or what they were hearing. But because of nine eleven, we couldn't do that. We were sending resources down to Lower Manhattan. End quote. So the investigation basically comes to a standstill pretty quickly. And Detective Harvey stated it was kind of something that was pushed aside. We really didn't receive a lot of help from the public in regard to this case. Henrik was an outsider in that part of the city, and it seemed to authorities his death meant little to those who called those houses around Albany Avenue and Decatur Street home. Quote, back in 2001, there was no iPhones, there was no video cameras, there was a few, but not like there is today in that neighborhood. Every building around here pretty much has a camera on it. It makes it easier to solve some of the crimes, but back in 2001, we had to rely on the public to come forward and give us information, end quote. And no one seemed eager to help the investigators search for the perpetrator. Everyone said they heard shots, but nobody would come forward saying they saw anything. Now, those close to Henrik believed that what he was wearing may have contributed to his death. And and when I read this, I was like, so you're telling me just because he broke he spoke broken English, and that's these clothes are all he had, they decided to shoot him well, down.
0: You may have said, but what clothes was he wearing?
1: no he I haven't. He was wearing camouflage pants, black army boots, and a dark colored jacket that night.
0: I mean that's people probably
1: on edge I mean and that's what the that's what's kind of implied in some of the articles. The bad thing is he had purchased these clothes at the Salvation Army. You know, and I think the way he was dressed, the fact that he spoke broken English, he was dark-complected, but not as dark-complected as some of the articles state. I mean, he appeared to me that he was more Mediterranean-complected than he was Middle Eastern-complected.
0: But still, at night...
1: Oh, I no, 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 I agree. I mean, he had all the cards stacked against him, Other, in other words. He just got off at the wrong stop. And they said the community was still, like, at a fever point, point, and some have theorized that they think he was a victim of a robbery gone bad, but that's kind of thrown out the window because when they get to him, he still had $75 in his pocket.
0: Well, I mean, clearly robbery wasn't the motive. They I, probably shot him and ran.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm
0: thinking. Take time to go to rob him.
1: Detective Harvey stated that anyone... That gets arrested in this area, the detective squad debriefs them in regards to information pertaining to this case still today. But, unfortunately, so far, nothing has turned up. And here's the thing. He may have not understood what was being yelled at him, why they were upset, or any of that. Detective Harvey stated he probably didn't even understand what was being said, if anything was said, or he couldn't communicate to the people on the block in a way that they could understand him. His wife said that she was an emotional wreck after losing her husband for 20 years and the father of her children, son Adam, then 10, and daughter Gabriella, then 17. He was a loving husband and a loving father. He loved making us happy, she said. He loved teaching his son to ride his bike. Or play chess. Loved helping me around the house. We were leading a modest but dignified life. He had planned on moving back to Poland as soon as he had made enough money to get them out of the hole they were in. But for a certain period after the tragedy, she thought it was a mistake and a misunderstanding. She stated, quote, that somebody stole my husband's documents and was murdered. That my husband got lost somewhere, so I kept calling him to check when he will come home. It's just a, I mean, this thing just, you talk about the worst possible luck for a human being to have.
0: Yeah, all because he went to the wrong End of the end of the, uh, road, the avenue or whatever it was.
1: Yep. Now, Detective Prate, who is now retired, stated none of the resources were there that night. The guys did a decent job of what they had, but minimal amount of work was put in that night just because there was nobody there to do it, not because of lack of trying. It's an absolute shame, he stated. I think that having it not been 9-11, we would have been in a better situation and would have made an arrest pretty quickly. I still, in my heart, believe that he was the victim of a robbery that went wrong. But again, if you're gonna rob somebody, seventy-five dollars cash is the first thing that goes missing.
0: You know, I, I honestly think it's he was a victim of his uh his accent. You know, I, like probably the person confronted him, asked him what he was doing, and when he spoke in a weird accent, wearing what he was wearing after what happened earlier that
1: day. Somebody took,
0: not on my neighborhood. Yeah, but not in my neighborhood, boy. And...
1: Yeah, that's what it seems like because, I mean, and you don't know. I couldn't find anything about his demeanor, like people that worked with him. But it, it may have been one of those things where, when they confronted him, he was like, "I'm, you know, broken English. I'm trying to get to work," or he may have said the supermarket, and then that led them to believe that he was, you know, that he was full of shit. And but, like you said, I think it was vigilante justice. The people that did it thought they were trying to stop another attack. At
0: that time, I'm fairly sure we had, they had not stated who they suspected was responsible. They just know that it was a, an attack by a foreign entity. Yeah. So, they may have heard the accent and said, oh, okay, he's going to try to do something in Brooklyn, and Brooklyn don't play that.
1: Now, his wife, Iwa, believes that an arrest will never come, she said, but that God will ultimately hand out punishment for her husband's killer. Quote, just imagine the reverse. If an American was killed in Poland, not a stone would stay unturned. There would be a hole in the sky, but the perpetrator would be caught. And I understand where she's coming from. I just, and and there's a lot of pain and grief in her at that time. And she's right. that There was a lot of, there would have been a lot of resources like the FBI would have been sent and tried to figure it out. But, like i said i this is just an odd twist of fate and i'm not demeaning his death by any any sense of the word i'm just saying that while i do not agree with anyone that would have done that to him there's a lot of things that were stacked against him once he got off that that train yeah
0: and here's the thing like if americans killed in poland um I'm just spitballing here, but I'm pretty sure the entire population of Poland is less than the population of New York City.
1: Probably.
0: I don't see how any murders get solved in New York City. I don't either. There's just way too many damn people.
1: (laughs) Yep. Detective Prate said that I don't know how that's going to get solved. It's going to be finding that one person who was a witness out there, and I really do believe there were a lot of people that witnessed it it's just a matter of, are they willing to step forward? And obviously they're not because this is still unsolved 21 years later. Or 20-ish years later.
0: Okay, I'm wrong. I'm very wrong. Population of Poland is 37.95 million. So, <laughs> eh, He's a little I'm off. A little he's just a little
1: off. I mean, just a little. Maybe tens of millions off.
0: I'm glad I looked that up rather than <laughs> stick to my wrong. One. <laughs> Uh, well, New York City is 8.4 million. Yeah, so.
1: just a tad.
0: Yeah, only got more. Just,
1: just a, a tad. You. Yeah, not many. I mean, I'm we're not talking. Ahead and
0: shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just uh, gonna be over here shutting up.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, the 79th Precinct, every September the 11th, honors those who lost their lives, but they also, around the anniversary, hang up reward posters, hoping to generate new information in. Henrik's case. Harvey stated, quote, we believe somebody saw something. It's just a matter of finding that person. I believe Albany Avenue is a pretty tight-knit block, so I believe that probably the person responsible is still in the area, end quote. Now, the NYPD is offering a $10,000 reward, and Crime Stoppers will pay an additional $2,000 for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for the murder of Henrik Siwiak. I just man, it's just it's just a sad, sad case that I had never heard of, and it kind of come across my social media feed about the other victim of 9/11, and I felt like that we needed to cover it to give it a little bit of light. But man, it's just a it's just a crappy situation all around.
0: It's very interesting. I didn't even know about it until you 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 told me we were going to do it when you said. The you know mystery about 9/11. I figured we'd do the disappearance of you know Sneha and Philip, who disappeared on September 10th, and is supposedly died in the world the attacks, but no one's ever found her and there's been no trace of her. I figured that was the one we were gonna do. I had no idea about this one.
1: Yeah, and you still hear of people, even in the attacks, that they can't find any inclination that they were there. But, I mean, that case you brought up in this one are just kind of forgotten about. And the bad thing is, it's hard, it's not as hard to do now, but back then, it would have been hard for you to find out what happened the day before news-wise and the day after news-wise that did not pertain to
0: 9-11. Yeah, if they even, po- if they even, printed a story about this murder it's probably gonna it's not gonna make the front page no it's not gonna make the front page for a while or at all I mean 911 was granted it, it should have been but 911 was definitely the lead news story for months
1: yeah and that, what's so bad is you know my brother's birthday is september the 12th and i think i didn't realize that his birthday had came and gone until like the 14th and i felt horrible but i was like man you know all i do is we went to school and turned the tvs on and tried to talk it through with high school kids and then i come home turn the tv on trying to figure out what the hell happened and how it happened so i mean it was it was, I was
0: a, in college i was in college i just turned 20 i was sleeping on a friend's couch. And uh, they woke me up, and they said, man, there's been an accident. I was like, what? They said, yeah, a plane accidentally crashed into one of the trade centers. And as soon as I turned over, about within 10 seconds, the second one hit. Mm. I was like, oh, shit.
1: Well, we worked together in the same building, you know, on that back 400 hall. It's where my classroom was at. And so I was coming up that hallway trying to beat another teacher to the bathroom. And as I come by the lunchroom, one of the PE teachers was standing there. And he goes, hey, man, uh, we're under attack. And I said, what the heck are you talking about? He said, they just crashed a plane into the Pentagon. And then two flew into the World Trade Center. And I was like, get out of here. And so I thought he was just messing around. So I went back to the classroom and turned on the TV. And sure enough, man, they were replaying the second plane. Because footage of that first one... Didn't come out for a couple of days because that was actually caught by a French documentary team just following the fire department, the New York fire department around. And it's just, you know, it's just a, it's awful. And then, I remember
0: the next day I go into class, it was a psychology class, and she passes out a test. Oh, what the fuck? And I was like, uh, I don't think any of us studied because uh, did you not see what happened yesterday? And she goes, "Life goes on," and passed out the test. I threw the test down and walked out and dropped a class.
1: Yeah, I don't blame she you. Said,
0: Man, I-, I didn't study for this thing. I'm gonna fail the hell out of this. I was glued to the TV for
1: hours. Seeing we had damn, we had idiot ass teachers that were. Uh, we still gotta, we still gotta teach. And I'm like, no, we don't. Life just happened, and these kids will never forget where they were at.
0: Yeah okay, let's turn the
1: TV off and let's do our math. Yeah. Like, no. And one of the young ladies that I taught, she's always, before 9-11, she was always, you know, our little town's backwards and nobody, you can't do nothing. I have to go out of town. That day she's sitting next to my desk and we're watching news feeds after news feeds after news feeds and she looks at me and she goes, for all the griping that I've done about being in a small town, I sure am glad I'm not in a big city today. And I was like, Yep, sweetheart, sometimes it works out. Because, you know, as soon as the one hit the Pentagon, there was rumors that they were, you know, there was like multiple planes still in the air, and they were targeting Congress, and then they were targeting other key facilities around the country, so everything shut down. But, you know, we were told to go home, and then a bunch of the football coaches at the time kind of just went down to the football field and started painting the field. Because, I mean, hell, we didn't know what to do.
0: Yeah.
1: But, yeah, man, it was crazy. And I just, going back to Hendrick's case, I mean, his TV was broken. I think if he had gone home and turned the TV on and kind of seen the severity of it and saw.
0: There's no way. I don't care if your TV's broken. If you're living in New York City, you had to know what was
1: going on. Well, no, no, no. What I was going to say was, yeah, he knew what was going on, but I think if he had a TV that was working and he turned it on and he saw those, you know, they shut down the bridges, and so people were walking across trying to get home. And so I think that's the, I think that kind of, the whole underlying thing of this is just a shitty day of bad luck. Just it just compounded. Everything seemed to compound against him that day, you know. And he, a prideful man trying to make money for his family, come hell or high water, I'm going to go. I mean, who else goes to an employment agency, and tries to find work, knowing the city was just shut or his construction site? down in Manhattan was just shut down you know I just my heart goes out to his family first of all because they don't have closure but my heart goes out for him because he was just trying to make a dollar man he was trying to better his family's life back in Poland and and like you said because of the way he was dressed the unfortunate accident of getting off at the wrong end reading that map wrong and then him speaking in broken English and being dark complected were just things that
0: was he dark complexed
1: that not really though that's what I was trying to say earlier about how he he's, okay. Polish
0: he Polish people are dark complexed
1: man They're not but he was more uh, like he was a deeper olive skin than more, most Polish people And so like you said if with it being dark I think they realized that he wasn't american as soon as he spoke but also his and complexion they, they didn't help
0: probably didn't want anybody in that neighborhood to begin with much less on that day
1: right and that, that's the way the cops kind of explain it out was that you know if you found yourself on any other day of the year walking down that stretch you might wind up dead so i mean it's just a a shitty shitty situation this is a short little case, and we kind of hijacked it a little bit, but
0: it's definitely not. Did you just say hijacked? Yeah, I can take really? that. Yeah. Oh my god. I can take that. I can take oh, all that it's out. A TV. I know. <laughs> wow.
1: We kind of derailed it. There you go.
0: <laughs> yeah, this is ne- I don't, this is never going to be solved ever. No, because it's a random killing in a city populated by millions of people could have been anybody so sadly i don't think they'll ever receive justice for this
1: no i don't either and it's just a you know a sad situation his i think his son's turning 30 this year his daughter's almost 40 and hopefully you know they're they're doing well and from what I can gather she was a very prominent scientist but I think it was a situation that the unemployment rate was so high but inflation was even higher over there at that time and so they couldn't depend on her salary and so he couldn't find work with the unemployment rate being so high so he I guess they whatever money they had bought a one way ticket for him to come to New York so
0: Yeah Man it's like I couldn't imagine like losing a parent is freaking terrible. Trust me. But losing a parent to a murder?
1: God. In a foreign country. It's not it's like you can magic. go, you know, pound on doors and pass out flyers. I mean, they're way across the pond, so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's just a. Well, recommendations?
0: Oh, there's a recommend, that... uh. Yellowstone. <laughs> Yellowstone. If you haven't watched it, watch it. It's awesome. And 1883, the spinoff, it's okay.
1: I heard it's that fun. one takes a little bit of time, but you've got to really like westerns.
0: Well, I'm just not a big fan of Faith Hill. I'm not either. She's in it, so. I like Tim McGraw.
1: I like Tim McGraw. I like Billy Bob Thornton. I'm just not a big fan of, of Faith. And I think the reason that I'm not a big fan of faiths is because they. She was on a radio interview. God, I don't know, 10, 12 years ago now, maybe longer than that. And they, at the time, I think she was in the, like, Us magazine or People or somebody had named her like top three sexiest women alive or something at the time. And so the radio host, you know, was kind of concluding the the interview and was like, "So how do you feel about being named, you know, the sexiest person alive?" And she just went off on this crazy Karen tangent before Karen tangents were even a thing and hung up on the guy. And I'm like, you rude ass. He asked a, a, he didn't ask about how you were, you know, oogled and ogled over. He just asked how you felt about it. Kind of like Sean Connery, when he was named (laughs) sexiest man alive, they said, well, how do you feel about being named sexiest man alive? And he goes, it's a myth.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I remember uh, there was an award show where she was backstage and she was nominated, and then when they they read out a different name than her, she looked directly into the camera and just went, what? Shit. Like, like no.
1: No, she's just not a good person in my book, but. <laughs> I mean, she's married old Tug McGraw's boy. <laughs> I
0: liked him, man. I That's do, too. In the concert, he's good.
1: Uh, my recommendation is also going to be a TV show. And if you have Amazon Prime, watch Jack Reacher. It is an adaptation of Lee Child's first Jack Reacher book. And, is man, it worth it? yes, dude, if you if you've watched if you watch the two Jack Reacher movies, they're not really. The, OK, well, then you'll not be you don't even have any preconceived notions. Basically, in the book, Jack Reacher is six foot five, 250 pound one-man wrecking machine and they found a guy that's six foot three 240 and this guy is a giant but it's a good it's got a good storyline and they don't have too many tangent storylines to to make it you know overwhelming but uh they do a good job i mean it's low budget i mean it's amazon prime but i think for what they were given they did a a very good job they got renewed for a second season only after the show had been out for a week so i think that that's gonna help them increase their budget but yeah they did a phenomenal job man and they actually have lee child as a kind of a contributing uh director i don't know who that is he's the guy that wrote the book so but anyway yes it is a very good show all right man you got anything else
0: you know i don't
1: nooses